This past week, when in our OCIA class, our RCIA class, as we were watching the video, there are two things that stuck out to me and just kind of hit me in the core of my heart. Listening to what these speakers had to say in these uh, OCIA in the OCIA program. The first of which is the first speaker was talking about who Jesus was. He was talking about the fact that when we hear the parable of the treasure that is uh, buried in the field that the person that desires that treasure goes out and sells all that they have to gain all their money in order to buy that field so that they may have that treasure that is in that field. And the response, what the speaker was saying is that of all of the things that Jesus has done, Jesus is telling this parable in order to talk about how we are that treasure. That God has gone out of his way to sell all of what he has in order to buy that field and us being the treasure in that field. Now, of course, God doesn't have any possessions. God doesn't have anything. But but what God does do is that he takes on our human flesh. He leaves his throne. He leaves his, his spiritual world. And he loves us so much that he sells out and comes and takes on our human flesh takes on this flesh that is weak, take on this flesh that is prone to sin, take on this flesh that is going to die. And he says, I'm going to redeem that. And we know that Jesus didn't have any sin. Jesus didn't fall to temptation like we do, but Jesus comes to redeem us. And the story of that redemption begins in the Christmas story. As we conclude the Christmas season with the celebration of the baptism of our Lord tomorrow, we have continued throughout the Christmas season to focus on this fact that God has sold out and taken on the most vulnerable of us, the most vulnerable condition of the human person in this child who has to be fed by their mother, clothed by their parents, sheltered by their parents, even saved from danger by those who are to protect them. Makes himself so vulnerable that he literally can't do any of these things for himself. Our God, who has created the world, comes down and takes on this human flesh to make himself vulnerable. When we celebrate the epiphany of the Lord, epiphany means manifestation. It means that God has revealed himself, has shown himself to us, has made himself known even to the simplest of human persons. God does not just reveal himself to those who are the smartest or the best in the world. He actually reveals himself to the simplest, the most forlorn, those who are the most kind of on the outskirts of society. It's in that condition that God reveals himself. And he manifests himself. So that when he manifests in this epiphany of the Lord, we celebrate this epiphany and the way that the church celebrates and speaks about it is not just at the coming of the wise men that we celebrate today or the magi that come today, but it's actually a threefold celebration beginning with the magi, continuing with the baptism, and then ending with his ending with uh, with the wedding feast of Cana, in the recognition that when he when the Magi come to Jesus 
and visit him, it is a sign that he has come to save all nations, not just to save the Jews, not just to save Israel, which in the plan that God had when we read throughout the Old Testament, he comes and chooses Israel to be the chosen people to go to all the other nations to bring them so that they may also fall under God's plan. But Israel failing in their duties, God says, I'll take on the human condition and I'll make myself to known to all nations. And the Magi, who are not Jews, who are not Israelites, are from four nations as a sign that God is revealing himself to all people. These people who are astrologers, who look at the stars, who look at the signs to see when God is coming, to see when this great king is coming. And in their own lives, in, the, in, in, their, in their coming and meeting Christ, the fathers of the church speak about, and Venerable Fulton Sheen speaks about, how when they meet Christ, they go back a different way. Yes, when we read the story, they go back a different way because of Herod. But the fathers speak about how any time that we encounter Christ, we can never be the same. And we have to go back a different way. The second thing that kind of cut me to the heart this week was also in the, in the second part of the RCA class this week was one of the presenters said this. Said that the lover takes on the nature of the beloved. The lover takes on the nature of the beloved. This is actually from St. Thomas Aquinas when, it, when he speaks about love. And when we think about this nature, the taking on the nature of another person, we think about our kids when they start to make friends. And we see that when they begin to make friends, we begin to recognize that maybe they start to say things that they hadn't said before because in these friendships they learn new phrases, learn new words, some we like, some we don't like. But they learn these things, they come home speaking about these things because they begin to take on in a sense, the nature of this other person. Oftentimes when they become teenagers, they come down and they start listening to music. Some we like, some we don't like. Because they're getting to know their friends and they're becoming more like their friends. And hopefully their friends are becoming more like them. If we've raised our kids right, others begin to take on the virtues of our kids, hopefully. We also begin to recognize that one morning they come down getting ready for school and their hair is combed differently because all of their friends are doing it this way. I think of uh, the Patrick Mahomes phenomenon. When he cut his hair with a perm on top and short on the side, all of a sudden half the kids, half the boys in our school had that same haircut. And all these friends begin to do the same thing. We see it in married couples. We see when you begin to see someone that you desire to get to know, you begin to want to do the things that they are doing. And you begin to fall in love with them and you begin to take on and like the things that they like and love the things that they like. And after marriage, after marriage for a period of time, 40, 50 years, sometimes couples even begin to look like each other. It's odd, it's a weird phenomenon. My parents just celebrated their 50th anniversary on Friday. And my parents have taken on some of the traits of each other. 
They both have this limp, and it looks oddly familiar. They both need knees replaced. That's the reason. But they both have aged in a similar way that you can see just the hard life on the farm that, that, and, and, and the outside work that they've always done, milking the cows. They've begun to take on traits of one another. And ultimately, the way that this plays out is we look at our God, who is above our nature, and yet he loves us so much that he takes on our nature. He takes on our nature in order for us to be redeemed, in order, in order for us to be saved. And in taking on that nature, he experiences everything that we experience, except for sin. He experiences temptation. He experiences grief. He experiences difficulties when people will not follow his way, even when he brings the message, because he is God himself, and even though he brings the message of salvation, people still turn away from him. And he experiences that sadness and loss of friendship. He even experiences death. The ultimate human experience of death. And the difficulties that come with that death. He experiences tremendous suffering. Emotional suffering. We see him in the garden where he sweats blood because of this emotional suffering. Because some will not accept his cross and will not accept his salvation. But God loves us so much that he takes on our nature. And he becomes like us becomes vulnerable because he loves us and desires us to be like him. On Christmas, I preached about the reasons that the word of God became flesh. The final and ultimate reason that God became flesh was so that we could become divine. So we could take on the nature of God. Now, if we think about that for a little bit, if the lover takes on the nature of the beloved, hopefully our love is so great, our, our love for God is so great that we begin to take on the nature of our beloved, who is our God. So that we begin to speak like him, and we begin to act like him, and we begin to think like him. So the things that we are saying is bringing peace and joy into people's lives. So the things we are doing is serving other people, particularly our families, but also those in the community, giving ourselves over in love to other people. And ultimately thinking like him. Spending time coming to know him in the scriptures and in the tradition of the church so that we know the will of God in our lives. Over the past few months, and if, if I'm honest, it's probably been more like years, I've recognized in my own life how there's a deep sadness in my own life. In some ways, I've become kind of miserable. And if I'm honest with myself, I know exactly the reasons why. The reasons are because I've become very lax in my spiritual life. And I've become lazy in my life of discipline. And being lax in my spiritual life and lazy in my discipline actually takes me away from being in the nature of God that I am called to be in. If I love God like I say that I do, then I ought to be taking on the nature of God. 
And in that nature of God, there is some sadness, of course. But there's a constant joy that comes from living in, constantly living in that nature, living in who God is. And we're all called to live in that nature. We're all called to live in God. And as we live in that God, we begin to be a manifestation or an epiphany of God in the world as well. Because in the scripture, St. Paul says, we always ought to be ready to give an account for the joy that we have in Christ. And that joy that we have in Christ only comes when we truly and deeply love our beloved. Our beloved who is God, who has taken on our flesh in order to save us and redeem us. We oftentimes settle for lesser things than God, thinking that things of this world, the pleasures of this world, are going to fill that emptiness that we experience in our lives, to fill those places in our life that we think that we need to fill it with, of all these material things. But if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that after we've experienced that pleasure, we're often left even more empty. There's a greater gap in which we recognize that is not being filled. And that is meant to be filled by God. The reality is that if we don't fill it with God, we will fill it with other things. And we will continue to be sad, lonely, anxious, depressed, whatever else we're experiencing because we're called not to be of this world. That we are called to totally be in love with our God. So that we take on his nature. And we experience that comfort, that peace, and that joy that God brings to us. As God is coming into the world to take on our human nature to show us the way to the Father... And as we end the Christmas season, may we take on that nature of God whom we are called to be like. And may we go about our lives in a different way. A way of joy, a way of peace, a way of comfort and settling in the life of our God. That we may also be an epiphany to those that we encounter. A light in the darkness of our world. That light can only come with our deep love of God. May that be our goal in this 2024. May that be our reason in this 2024 to bring peace and comfort to the world.